try to build the organization around them, right? So, so don't be, don't be um, function orientated or don't try to look for people for the organization. Try to build the organization around great people. Hi and welcome to this new episode of the Nerd Entrepreneurs Podcast. Finding good people is not easy. That's just one of the topics we look at today in this interview with Torben Antretter, co-founder of Geldverflug.de, a company that helps airline passengers get their money back for unused tickets. The company recently finished another round of financing, adding 25 million euros to their bank, but not everything has always been as good as it seemed. So in this episode, you'll learn many things, among other things, how Torben managed to finish his PhD and grow his venture into what it is today, how a startup can fight in the big leagues against Ryanair, for example, how the team turned a threat into an opportunity, and I really like that description of the situation and how he shared what they did to go out of it stronger than before. Also, you learn how lower margins forced the startup to automate their business and be stronger than ever, and many, many more interesting things. I'm super excited to bring this episode to you. Enjoy. Cool. So, Torben, welcome to the Nerd Entrepreneurs Podcast. We've met before. That's true. A long time ago, actually. Right? Was half a year or... Yeah, at least. At, at least, least half a year. Yeah. I think the first time was more than a year ago, actually. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of things have changed. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen you in the news or your, your startup. So that was very fun to, to see. It was like, wow, that's going, it's going well for them. Could you maybe just tell in two minutes uh, what your startup is about, uh, maybe how the idea started and what you're doing today? Sure, sure. So the idea is basically um, a consumer factoring idea. So we, we basically buy consumer claims. So we saw in everyday life that consumers, every time they make contract with a large corporation, that they have certain rights, but oftentimes have a lot of problems pursuing those rights if they, if they want to. And um, we as a legal tech company saw, saw the opportunity, the business opportunity to buy those claims and then build automized processes to then pursue those claims in court. Mm. And this is basically what we do at right now with our different products. Geldverflug.de, for instance, is one where if you, for instance, book a plane ticket and you cannot take it for whatever reason, you don't have insurance, it doesn't matter, right? There are certain rights involved. So oftentimes you can get up to 70 to 80% of the price that you paid back. And a lot of people don't know about that. And even if they would knew, uh, even if they would know, um, they would have a lot of trouble going to court against Ryanair, for instance, in Ireland. Yeah. And what we, what we say to them is upload the ticket on the website and we make an automized risk evaluation of that claim. And then we buy that claim, you get the money in 24 hours and don't have anything to do with it anymore. And we'll take care of the rest. So that's the basic idea. And um, yeah, how, how do we... How do we get there? It's, it's an interesting question. So one of my partners and I, we, we had another business before. We, we sold wine, inter interestingly enough. What kind of wine? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a technology that enabled 
us to open bottles of wine and refill it into different into different containers, so smaller ones. So and the idea was basically to buy high quality wine out of out of sellers and from collectors and stuff, open the bottles without any loss of loss of quality, and then filling it up into glass portions and then selling them as a, subscri a subscription model. So that was basically the okay. idea and it was very interesting. So we tried a lot of stuff. We yeah. <laughs> we drank a lot of wine, which was very, <laughs> very funny and. Um, yeah, but in the end, um, we were relying on a patent that was that was sitting in France. So we didn't own the technology, so we had to license it. And this was uh, making it very hard to make a business out of it. So margins were very, very thin. And uh, at a certain point, we just, yeah, we had the business running. And then we calculated how much of this stuff do we actually need to sell in order to have fun with it, right? In order to really grow a business. And um, yeah, at a certain point in time, we then decided to um, maybe pursue other things. And mm -hmm. out of this experience, we basically evaluated or developed a catalog of things that our next business model should should have with it, right? Yeah. And, and one of these thing, things was definitely that, w that it should be a digital product, right? Yeah. So something that is really scalable. And the other thing was that we were looking for more attractive margins, right? So yeah. we were looking for, for a product that, that could really kind of achieve an interesting also financial uh, business model yeah. on that side. And then we started thinking and then we spoke a lot about fintech and because I'm coming kind of from the financial industry yeah. and saw that there was yeah, a lot of things going on. And then uh, one of our good friends came in and he's a lawyer and we actually started talking about legal tech and the opportunities in this up and coming area. Yeah. And then one thing actually led to another and we, we started pursuing those ideas. Yeah. With that lawyer or? Right. So he's, he's part of our founding team. Okay. Yes. Cool. 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 Nice. So I heard, uh, you, oh, I actually know that you were a PhD student at the time when you started these things, right? Why? How did you manage to, with the time, like writing your dissertation probably, working for the institute you were at and starting a startup? Right, that, that was a very, very tough time and um, I, I can only thank my, my colleagues and co-founders uh, that they were so patient with me and um, that they also gave me the flexibility to do what I wanted to do because I um, kind of set that goal for myself to pursue a PhD and then I started and things came together and then um, yeah I thought about quitting a lot of times and, and thought about uh, the doing PhD one. or the startup at certain times <laughs> both but <laughs> <laughs> no but most of the times I thought about quitting the PhD and just yeah. just going for the venture which made from an economic pr perspective made, made much more sense right yeah. a lot of a lot, lot of advisors and mentors of mine um, said, why are you doing this? And, yeah. and why are you still doing this? What are you doing here? And um, yeah, for me, it was always a, a matter of personal fulfillment. I just, I just said, this is my goal. This is kind of the highest educational achievement in German-speaking area. And I want to pursue it. And uh, when I start it, I want to finish it. And yeah. that, was, that was kind of my, my motivation to then work late nights, work uh, at the weekends, and, um, and, and then that way kind of, kind of finish it. But uh, there were a lot of difficult times. Yeah. So, cool. so just for people who are working a, a full-time job, just for them to imagine, what does a day like that look like? For, or what did it look like for you, you know? So how many hours did you work on the PhD? And, and how many hours on your on your startup? And it's it's very hard to count because there were there were different phases. So mm -hmm. so in the beginning, 
in the beginning uh, it was really that I that I did my my day job and then stopped at like 5 p.m. and then I met with my colleague and then we pursued our business idea until sometimes late at night so that was kind of the beginning um, the beginning phase but then kind of some some business angels got involved and the market traction got higher and then um, yeah there were there were more things to do actually so it kind of shifted shifted into um, a, a motion where um, I did kind of both things at the same time and that's that was the point where things got very very messy right where, where also people got disappointed and, and project that, uh, projects that I was involved in um, yeah got got kind of executed very um, uh, very badly and uh, this also led to a lot of emotional stress right yeah, uh, yeah. people were unsatisfied with my work also at the university but also sometimes at the startup yeah. and this was something that uh, was not easy emotionally um, and then it kind of got more into the other direction where I started pursuing really the business uh, more as a full-time job and then try to find outlets where I could really kind of find quality kind of quality time to research and to do my writing and stuff and there were for instance times uh, which I which I don't do I don't do it like that anymore but there were times where I really started waking up at 4:30 in the morning and uh, really try to develop a habit of, of going to bed early and then waking up early to really have two, three hours in the morning to then do some quality writing and then, then yeah. start the day fresh. But um, I don't say that I would recommend that to everybody, but <laughs> it was a very productive time for me. Yeah. But uh, in the end, probably a recommendation would be to, um, yeah, to find really times where you could focus to trying to do both most of the times doesn't work. So yeah. um, really try to separate things as good as you can and then focus on one thing or focus on the other. But um, yeah, doing one thing and then taking a call and then writing an email and then doing another thing again, uh, it just gets messy over time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. I mean, you already have, it already gets messy with just one job, you know, if you do right. different things and then right. you do a second thing as well. I mean, it just, right. Yeah, and I think you, you get really good at prioritizing, right? So you, yeah. you, know, you start saying no to a lot of things, you start saying no to a lot of people, which um, also has some disadvantages, right? So uh, at certain points you don't make the best friends, right? Because yeah. um, you, you, you cannot be everybody's darling, right? And um, so that was kind of, for me, a great learning that I, that I said I really have to think Kind of is this important and urgent right then it gets pursued is it just important and not urgent it doesn't get pursued and is it just urgent and not important it doesn't get pursued either right yeah. so yeah. that was i think one of my biggest biggest learnings yeah so we were very lucky actually to have the time to have your time today sure it's, uh, it's some of the quality time important. yeah right <laughs> i mean now he's done with the phd so he has that's right time. he has more time so he's, he's bored now there's <laughs> not enough to do <laughs> I was wondering, um, so you buy tickets from people mm -hmm. um, and then you go, you go with your team of lawyers, uh, right? You go, you go to, the, to the airline company. How did you, you had to buy a, a first batch of tickets in uh -huh. the beginning. How did you find, how did, where did the money come from to pay those tickets? It, it came from ourselves actually. So, yeah. uh, so we had a lot of um, or a very long proof of concept phase actually where we where we bought those tickets from our own money and then we pursued them in, in, in court um, which takes in the German speaking area a lot of time right so so really filing a claim end to end can take between six to twelve months so we had to wait a lot of times and trial and error a lot of things um, before we could really say this model works right? yeah. so but we finance it uh, from our own money yeah how much money did you did you put in 
it's, in the beginning. It, it's, it's hard to say because it got kind of... Uh, we, we stumbled into some some situations where we where we put in some more money then but yeah. um but i'd say over the time maybe per person it was maybe a little bit more than 10k or something yeah. so okay. it was, was still in a in a manageable range yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you just said that, like you just tried it out right but how, what what convinced you how, why were you convinced that it will work in front of the court was there any like um other example cases that worked before you, or how? Right. Of, of course, there were there were very similar business models. For instance, in that in that flight product that I just explained, there is there is flight right in, in Germany, which is huge. Right. Mm -hmm. So they they tackle basically the market from a different side. So they look at what happens if the flight is delayed or cancelled, and we look at the market from the side. What happens if the passenger chooses to not take a plane, uh, not take a flight, or use the plane ticket? Um, so there was some some proof of concept basically. Basically, um, from from this general perspective, and of course, there are a lot of lawyers who um, who pursue those claims, but not at large scale, right? Mm -hmm. So, of course, we used uh, also our contacts, especially from from our legal co-founder, to talk to lawyers, talk to people who do that, uh, who are doing that since twenty years or something, and they they were pretty good able to to tell us um, what works or what might work and what what might not work. Mm -hmm. The learnings were. Then very 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 important when it came to to scaling the business right so really doing thousands of claims a month um, that's where also the financial risk gets gets higher and higher right so um, but that was not 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 a learning from a legal perspective so the legal legal perspective was very very clear um, what was kind of a journey to discover was how do how does the other party react for instance right mm. so how do they behave what what kind of arguments are they throwing at us. And that was just something that we that we had to learn on, on the run and then adjust and adjust and adjust. And this is also, I think, the asset that we're building, right? Because we, we are we are pursuing tens of thousands of claims at the time now. And uh, with every claim, basically our argumentation and our um, our infrastructure and our our writings get better and better and safer and safer because we we add one argument each and every time somebody throws some some stupid stuff at us and uh, so we're basically getting stronger every time we we meet yeah. in court. Yeah. So so if I imagine you sit in court like this is huge airlines, and there's your small team of lawyers, right? Or your small startup. How did you feel at this time? Like, and you knew that you're gonna win, right? It's it's beautiful. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a very it's a very <laughs> great you know feeling. Also, win. it's amazing. <laughs> also, as a startup, that's that's I think a great great story to tell, which is also very attractive for the media, for instance, right? So we were able to get a lot of media coverage over this uh, um, uh, David versus Goliath kind of story, right? Um, and in in the end, um, in court, everyone is the same, right? And um, if if the law is on your side, um, yeah. you can have a great impact and. And that's something um, that also motivated us to really pursue the business and uh, to really have an impact on that side. Yeah. You said these companies were throwing stuff at you, you know, stupid arguments. Do you have a, a story where it was like the, the worst or the, the craziest thing they were throwing at you? Or was there one company that was super annoying? And not there, there are different different perspectives to that to that question. I think so. For instance, uh, Ryanair from from Ireland, they are by far the most stubborn ones, right? So they just don't answer to 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 questions. They 
um, even if there are there, there is a verdict, so that the court rules against them, they don't pay, right? So there were certain situations where we really had to go to the airport and get get the money with um, uh, I don't know, with a prosecutor, right? So someone somebody really collects the money really? after the court has ruled that they have to pay because they didn't pay, right? So um, that was a very strange experience, but also very funny, of course. Um, and then the larger the company gets, for instance, the Lufthansa in, in that flight business, um, the more, yeah, the more resources they also invest in kind of kind of fighting fighting what we do, right? Mm -hmm. And um, but in the end, they also know that there is nothing to nothing to argue on the legal side, so they just started arguing about formal issues, right? And we heard things like. Uh, we are not allowed to do this business because we don't have the proper licenses, which is bullshit. And we are not allowed to represent our company because we're not the owners of the company. So we had to prove that this is really our company we're doing this with. So, so really ridiculous things that serve the sole purpose of making it unattractive for us, right? Yeah. So making the process longer and longer, but in the end, um, we don't really care about that because the nice thing is the longer it takes, the more interest on the claim we get, right? Because in, in the German-speaking area, you get 5% uh, interest on the claim the longer it takes. Oh. So um, it's a very, very nice... Uh, nice way to add some money. True. Very nice true. rate of return uh, nice. just, just on the time there, right? Yeah. Plus, it's your daily business to fight them, so it's right. what you like to do. Yeah. <laughs> so. so can we quickly come back to this this moment when you walked into the airport? Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Like you walked to Ryanair to their office at the airport, and you had like a prosecutor with you, and I don't know, is there was there police as well? How did that happen? <laughs> I just imagine it could yeah. be kind of a story. Yeah, it would be very funny if it would it would have been if it would have been that spectacular. But yeah. we, we just hired someone to get the job done, so okay. we we. We didn't go with them or something. We just hired someone to get the job. Then what actually happened? Then when they came there and when they announced themselves, then they paid, right? So uh, you really have to kind of put up that pressure. And yeah. um, but it's it's very obvious that they just try everything that they can to make it as unattractive and long as possible for us to pursue pursue those claims, which is okay. So yeah, um, yeah should should they do it? But yeah. that was that was a very very. Very very funny moment. Yes. Okay. I can imagine. So I mean, that was a that was a, a challenging moment for the for the startup, right? This this client didn't pay. If if you look at your own kind of story, um, what was what would you consider as your biggest challenge uh, from the start to till now? And and yeah, how did you face it? What what did you do? Yeah, we we actually. Through the process of developing of developing the business, we actually had one major setback. So um, the story kind of began, or the business model we we did for about a year uh, included the right to pursue up to ninety five percent of the of the flight price that uh, that you have there, right? Mm -hmm. So even including the ticket price, so the net fare of the ticket price. Yes. And then there was a moment in March two thousand and eighteen where the highest court in Germany then very surprisingly ruled that um, the airline can keep that proportion of the ticket, right? And before that we were focusing on really business travel and really high priced tickets because the margins were most attractive for, for those ones. Uh, and then from one day to the other about half of our margin was cut away, right? And um, that is basically the, the, the biggest risk in, 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 this, in, this, in this legal area. And, and of course, the most 
the most critical point that also investors were worried about. They, uh, we just we just raised uh, we just raised the financing rounds a couple of weeks before. Lucky you. The, the, <laughs> there was actually this huge this huge article in one of the one of the largest German newspapers, uh, who then said uh, German legal tech startup raises twenty five million in financing to to now fight Ryanair and all those kind of airline companies. And then just a couple of days later, another great uh, or another another large newspaper then then argued. Uh, if you have a ticket and you want to get money back, screw that, right? And that was that was very, very stupid, stupid thing or stupid timing at that moment. Yeah. But um, yeah, so there was a lot of doubt in that moment. So we uh, we we we, we uh, got notice about about this court ruling, and then um, yeah, there was a lot of frustration, uh, a lot of anger. Actually, uh, why didn't we see that coming? And yeah. uh, could we have done something different in order to prepare or something? But I think one thing that you, you learn over time by, by, through building a company is that this process of, of disappointment and anger gets shorter and shorter, right? So the first setbacks, you, you're really disappointed for three days and you really feel frustrated and uh, mm -hmm. um, you really think about stopping and, and um, yeah, you're really, really angry and, and, and frustrated. And then maybe the next time it's just three hours or something, and then then maybe it's three minutes, and then you continue, right? Yeah. So you really learn how to cope with with failure in a way, and with uh, frustration and with setbacks. Yeah. And uh, we're very happy to to uh, at that time to be at that stage where we could really quickly refocus and then quickly kind of uh, turn the business around in a way that we could profit from that. Right. Yeah. So what we did in that situation was we. Uh, <laughs> Of course, we, we, we were angry for three minutes, right? And then we, we, we had a conference call with, uh, with our founding team and with some of our managers, and we discussed the situation. And then um, first was we had to take notice for the investors, so we had to notify them and explain the situation. Yeah. And that was something, then something really great happened. Then our investors kind of came onto the conference call, and it was, it was already later at the evening. And then we started brainstorming kind of how do we get past that? Right? And we, we really had a night shift where we then um, developed a kind of new, also media-wise, new positioning, mm -hmm. right? Um, which we could then really shortly uh, communicate also and uh, kind of ride on that wave because this, this ruling, of course, had a huge media attention. It was mm -hmm. in every newspaper, it was on television, etc. So there was a huge attention for that topic yeah. and we had to face the decision or make the decision, uh, should we now try to get under the radar and, and, and get up again if kind of this topic is, is softened out a little bit yeah. or should we ride that wave now and kind of take that attention yeah. and use it, right? Yeah. And uh, after some discussions, we, we decided to use it and, um, and also made then two days later uh, another article in, in one of the largest, it was Focus, one of the largest German, German newspapers which then said, uh, kind of, uh, we help now passengers who know about that and kind of have that situation and uh, we're there for you and uh, kind of try to, to communicate the picture that we never stumbled, right? And, and, and we, uh, we uh, yeah, we, we're just a service that helps passengers in that situation and uh, feel free to join us and feel free to come to us if you have that kind of situation. So yeah. that was kind of how we, how we dealt with, with that setback. Did that wave help you? Uh, did you see of course, a, a yes. lot of signups or, or tickets yes, being processed? Yes, there was a lot of lot of attention, a lot of a uh, lot of also inbound um, 
inbound corporation partners that approached us and said, hey, that's very cool, I heard about that, uh, who called us. Um, also the traction on our webpage got, uh, got much larger and uh, yeah. so we really, really benefited from that. And also from, from a business model or a technical perspective, we benefited because uh, we were, uh, due to that change in, 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 in scope from, from high price ticket business class travel to then low cost carriers, Ryanair, EasyJet, so really uh, low priced fares, we were forced to, to automate our processes much more, right? Because from one day to the other, we had to do like three or five times the number of claims in order to do the same amount of revenue, right? Um, so that really forced us to, to rethink our processes and um, yeah, now we, now we stand there much stronger with, mm. with uh, very much more automated processes and much more scalable than we were before. Yeah, I suppose you can't tell anything about those processes, and that's or is that how how do you how do you do that now? Um, do you scan the, the the tickets? Do you have some kind of AI behind it? And I mean, how how does that process look like? Sure, I can tell you something about that. AI is a funny word. It's it's I think often used and and, and there is yeah. So it's 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 a software that actually handles. Um, handles the process as a workflow basically. So you upload a ticket on the website and the first task is basically to extract information from your ticket, right? So if you book a ticket with EasyJet, for instance, you get a booking receipt, which has all the necessary information that we need in order to process the claim, right? And then uh, we extract those information. So there is uh, OCR technology involved. If you have a clean PDF, you could just extract the information. If you have a picture, you need OCR technology that we built in order to, to then scan the picture for the information, extract them and put them into our software. Mm. What happens next is that a communication workflow started. So you get then uh, automatically notified with the amount of money that we would like to offer you to buy the claim. So in the background, there runs kind of an algorithm that factors in different different elements, different, different factors of our experience with regard to the risk of your claim. So for instance, if we know from past experience that we will need 12 months in order to get the money back, we will of course factor that into the offer that we made to the customer because we also have to cover our cost of capital, for instance. If we know we are going against an airline where we have a collaboration more or less, where we do uh, kind of a deal and we get the money in, in a couple of weeks, we'll, get, we'll, we'll pass that on to the, to the consumer, right? So this is all kind of done in this, in this kind of algorithm more or less. So the customer then gets an email with a concrete offer and then if he'd like to take it, he comes to another form, enters the bank details, hits send and then everything else transferred back to the software and then all the other processes like payment are triggered. So basically it's, it's an automated workflow mm. which then kind of works in different elements with different technologies like character recognition, like uh, text recognition, also then in the legal process um, which we then kind of combine to one, one large tech product. Yeah. I just thought right now, I, was, I thought, okay, so your interest, isn't it, isn't there a little bit of a conflict between what you want and the, and the user wants? You could, because the user, the expectation of the end customer is that he won't get any money anyways, if he tries alone. Mm -hmm. So, isn't, aren't, you could just say, I'm gonna give you 10 bucks. Mm -hmm. That's more than zero bucks. And you know you can make 200, I don't know, I don't know, 90 bucks out of it. How do you handle this internally? 
um, you know, what, what kind of offers do you, do you say, yeah. hey, we give everything or we have this fixed margin that we, you know, how do you... That's, that's a super interesting question, something that, um, that, we, that we cope with every day. So that's one of the, one of the main underlying questions of our business, right? So mm -hmm. that, we, that we try to understand the price sensitivity of consumers in a factoring business model, right? Mm -hmm. um, because there are a lot of different aspects to the question that you just mentioned. I'll make an example. If you um, had the flight two and a half years backwards, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because the claim is worth three years, right? So it's, it's, um, you can claim the money for three years. And if yeah. you had that claim or that flight two and a half years in the past, um, you probably say, I'm satisfied with 10 bucks or something, right? right? On the other hand, if you just booked the flight yesterday and you, for instance, you saw, damn, I just misbooked it. I, I, I picked the wrong date or something. And you just transferred the money to the airline company yesterday. It's much more present for you, right? And you, you know, I paid 200 bucks or something for that plane ticket. So you expect much more in return. So this is just one example. And there are different other ones in terms of um, what do you do? Kind of how old are you? Are you male? Are you female? So a lot of different demographics that factor into what you expect in that situation. And of course, as a as a profit oriented business, we try to maximize uh, that sensitivity or that, yeah. that that margin without, of course, risking too high of a bounce rate, right? Or too yeah. too low of a conversion rate. Yeah. Um, and that's that's one of the main uh, main challenges in, in our business model to optimize. Um, this um, this relationship right between maximizing margins and and maximizing conversion rates. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I see. Yeah. That makes sense. And it's still cool. I mean, for the end customer, because ten bucks is more than zero. Right. And we, we receive very great feedback. So uh, yeah. that's uh, a lot of people say uh, that they that they even tried with the airline. That's that's often the most satisfying satisfying customers or satisfying situations for us satisfying feedback for us when the customer says hey I really tried two or three times with the airline or something and they said screw you go away and, and stuff or they just didn't didn't hear back something and then they find out about our service and then they get money within 24 hours and they are super satisfied yeah, that they got something and that they can take their husband or wife to dinner or something yeah. Yeah. and <laughs> just just get it done right? yeah. yeah I think it's an awesome awesome definitely yeah. thing definitely. for users definitely awesome it. yeah what would you do differently if you look back on your journey now? Is there anything you would change or...? I think, I think my first answer to that question would be nothing because I'm, I'm super satisfied with where we are and I, I, I can't know where we would be if, if we would do things differently, right? Yeah. So that's for sure. Um, however, I think from a, a business building or entrepreneurial perspective, of course, I would do certain things differently. For instance, I would much earlier try to take care of necessary things like bookkeeping, accounting, and setting up <laughs> process, necessary processes in order to run a business because Nobody this really, likes that, so. this really yeah. hit us hard, right? Because we, we basically operated a business for, I don't know, three quarters of a year without even thinking about such processes, right? Yeah. And then it really hits you, right? Yeah. And then it, then it takes a lot of time and also money to, to make up for that, uh, for that missed, uh, misstructuring and, yeah. uh, for that so that would just just one example of things that that I would I would take care of uh, right from the beginning but um, yeah I think I think it's very hard to, to generalize because uh, being an entrepreneur and, and running a business uh, running a, a, a dynamic and growing business um, has different challenges every day so uh, yeah. 
an answer that I give now won't be or might not be applicable tomorrow or something. So um, that's just kind of what I what I figured. Yeah. Um, yeah, but but there are there are some more, more or less I would say more learnings that that, that we had kind of um, for instance in terms of that really finding good people is not easy and then you should really constantly be be, be hiring and be looking out for for good people and even if you if you don't really if you you don't have really a position if if you talk to somebody great and and, and they're they're passionate and they they uh, they would like to work with you and and you see the opportunity to work with them try to build the organization around them right so so don't be don't be um, function orientated or don't try to look for people for the organization try to build the organization around great people right yeah. so so that okay. was something um, or that is something that that um, is challenging for us every day really finding good people and, and motivating them and keeping them of course yeah. how do you find great learning people? yeah how do you how do you find great you have one, one one trick in your sleeve of your sleeves or <laughs> <laughs> please tell me so <laughs> um, please tell me um, I think that there are there are different things that that might work so the I think the best the best thing is is referral so if you are lucky and really maybe over your network you you're able to hire somebody really great and, and, and you work with them and you, you build that organization with them and then they even if it just might be an intern or something and then they leave you if they had a great time they'll they'll refer the position or they they tell their friends about about the company and stuff yeah. so this is something that that works out very very good for us um so good thing for us that we really try to yeah try try that the people have a very great experience and they're very satisfied and that they then go on and, and, and kind of tell other people about it but um yeah for me like classical recruiting channels such as i don't know linkedin or um i don't know stepstone or whatever there is mm. um did not really it, it works in a, in a certain way that you fill a pipeline mm. but the really good people we all always found over over kind of our network or the network of our friends and and really trying to trying to go out and talk to people um, so really viewing this this kind of filling this position as as uh, trying to sell a product right yeah. really go out talk to your network hey do you know someone do you know someone can you maybe share that on LinkedIn or something yeah. so this is what has has worked best for us in the past okay mm -hmm. why are you hopeful for the future of your startup is there is there something that you think that that's why it's gonna go very well or um that's a good question. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely positive. So um, positive in with regard to to our business model, with regard to kind of the problem solution fit that that we have with our business. We we receive very very great feedback yeah. from um, from customers, from investors because we have a very strong business model. We're profitable, so everything works great. So the metrics look look good. So this is why I'm very positive. Um, also with regard to the further development. And I'm very much looking forward to now our vision to really create a consumer factoring group, right? So we really saw that this product works and this, this, this works for, for plane tickets. And then we figured, hey, this also has to work for other products and has to mm -hmm. work for other areas where people have kind of legal problems against large corporations. And that's, that's kind of the way that we, that we pursue right now, that we try to build different products and really set up a also technical infrastructure that allows us to do a plug and play approach and really quickly build new products and trial and error with different things. 
and then um, really kind of pursue this this consumer factoring group idea across across different areas. So um, that's kind of our our main goal and uh, our our great vision be behind that. And yeah. that's I think what what also will be very very attractive then for for different different scenarios where we might be able to exit the company at a certain point in time. Yeah. Yeah. What what kind of areas do you are you looking at more concretely? As you said, trains. Right, uh, right. Four. Right. So if, if the if a train is delayed, right. Right. Uh, so another product that we that we now launched uh, is called Bahnbody, uh, which is actually a, a company that has been around for about two years. Um, so we uh, we actually bought that startup. So we made a small acquisition, which was a very very interesting experience for us as a growing startup to actually right. be on the other side of the table for once. And, and really um, doing the due diligence to then purchase another another company or invest more or less in another company. And what this, this service does is basically now that we transferred it into, into a factoring uh, business model is um, when you have a train ticket this time and the train is delayed for more than one hour, you have the right to get back up to 50% of the price that you paid. Okay. And uh, as many as many people might know that, especially in Germany, in Switzerland, it's not that big of a problem because they are very, very punctual, right? But one hour is tough. Okay. One hour is tough, but in Germany, it's crazy, right? So there is so much, so much going on in terms of cancellations and delays. So um, a huge market for that product. And what we basically say is, we want to make it as easy as possible for the customer to again claim that refund because yeah. you can also do it by yourself against the Deutsche Bahn, the, 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 the company, but you then have to fill out a three-page form, you have to send it via mail there, so it's there is no electronic way to do it, and you have to get kind of verification of the delay. So you really need to look for um, for somebody from the train company or go to the counter and have them kind of put a stamp on it. This train was really delayed, which is really really ridiculous because you can easily do that over databases and and, and with with a technical manner, and that's what we try to what we try to offer here. So we we also say upload the train ticket, we'll verify your 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 claim and then we'll pay you the money via PayPal within a couple of minutes, right? So yeah. you don't have have to hustle. Yeah, super cool, yeah, super cool. I would have used that because I actually mainly experience the Deutsche Bahn. And again, it's it's the same thing. This is also for us very interesting to communicate that all these claims they work backwards, right? So this this train claim, uh, the flight claim, three years. This one, twelve months. So one year. In the past, you can also claim money today. So if you have 10 train delays in the last year or something, you can still get the money today. Yeah, super cool. That is so cool. Anything else than the trains? Right, so <laughs> there, there is actually a third product that we, that we now launch or will launch now in, in December most probably, which is about um, auto damage or, or car damage refunds. So I make an example. if. If, um, if we have an accident and um, I ditch your car from behind, you have a claim against my insurance, yes. right? And you have two options now as, as, a, as a consumer. You can either go to the shop and have the car repaired and they'll take care of the rest with the insurance and you don't have to worry about anything. That's the easy one. However, there might be a lot of people, there are a lot of people, especially younger ones, um, whose cars are maybe a little bit older and they say, hey, I would very much more like to get the money and and have maybe have it repaired at the at the shop of my friend or something i know someone who'll do it for half price or something yeah. and for the rest i'll just go on holiday or something yeah. right 
And this, this is what's called, in, in, in German, it's called fiktive Abrechnung. So, um, so you just try to get cash instead of the car repaired. And this is something where the insurance companies go ahead and they cut the claim, right? So they, they say, for instance, um, the evaluation of the damage says um, you need a new light bulb, for instance, but we say that you don't need the one from, from BMW, for instance, right? Just to make, make a plastic example, you can also insert a much more cheaper one. And on average, they, they, cut, those, they cut those reports by an average of 30%. So if you if you're allowed to get a thousand bucks back, right, you'll most probably get only seven hundred from the insurance company. Yeah. And what we then say is, have them have the insurance company pay you, doesn't matter, right? Upload then the documentation from the insurance company what they paid you, and we'll pay you I don't know at least hundred bucks on top, right? Mm -hmm. Because we then fight this 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 thirty percent of of cutting with the claim. Right? Yeah. So that's kind of the third product that we that we launch right now. Also there, I think, especially in the German-speaking area, there is a huge market for that. So on average, I think every couple of seconds there happens a, a car accident on, on, on German streets. So um, I think there is a huge market for that product and uh, yeah, we're very excited for the launch. So how is the time period here? Is it also 12 months or three years? Because I had this thing actually that happened. <laughs> it happened and I didn't repair my car because it's an old car. So yeah. I, wasn't unnecessary. I got about a thousand bucks. Just yeah. like that. But you, you, so I would have gotten 30% more actually. Right, right. So probably, yes. Probably, so, yeah. so most probably there were some cuts and you can still, uh, we would have to look at it in specific, but uh, you most probably can also claim claim money back today. Yes. Cool. So this is awesome. It's You're awesome getting product. money back. This day is amazing. I love it. I love it. That's a very cool experience. I think that also from, from a marketing perspective, right? Because we, we don't, we don't try to sell stuff to people. No. We try to give it's them awesome. money, right? And um, that's also a very nice experience from from us in, in, in a customer acquisition from a customer acquisition perspective. So yeah, very true. It's a cool product, really nice. Yeah, and not it's not something everybody knows. You know these right. these, these details that you don't get these thirty percent. I mean, right? Who knows that? It's a lot about a lot about education, right? Yeah. So we we try to really to really find out that's where we educate the customers about their rights and then of course tell them that there are certain ways to get it faster right yeah. and that's kind of where we try to produce a lot of content from a legal perspective from a consumer perspective and then also kind of try to hint our offer that um, yeah. that we we have such products in the market yeah final question what's the last book you read and why would you recommend it the last book that I read, um, the last book that I read was Deep Work from Cal Newport. I read that. Um, you read that as well. Yes, yes. I thought it would be. Uh, I thought it to be very, very fascinating, um, because it really had an interesting perspective on how we how we work today. Because it it talks a lot about it talks a lot about distraction, and and we talked early in in, in our in our conversation about when I when I did my PhD mm. and had to juggle a lot of things at the same time. Um, this really helped me. So these insights really, really helped me in, in kind of coping with that, trying to find focus time, really find, trying to find areas, also mental space to really focus on something. And I think the hypothesis here is very, very valid that Cal Newport says that in the future, it won't be about it won't be about education or, or factual things what you know or something it will be about how well are you able to focus right and how well are you able to execute 
and this is also something that that really nicely transfers into into the um, startup world, right? So you really need to you really need to execute. You really need to kind of prioritize and and, and sort out the things that are important and uh, try to focus on those and then execute them. And uh, helped me a lot. And um, uh, especially uh, fun fact: after that, a couple couple of months back, it was actually not the last book that I read, but the the most kind of fascinating one that I remember in, in the past couple of months. And it really got me to deleting most of my social media profiles. Because I'm, since then, I'm not on Facebook anymore. I'm not on Instagram anymore. I just uh, have LinkedIn, so yeah. for professional purposes. But all these other social media channels, I quit because I kind of recognized for myself that it um, yeah, really distracts you from, from what you actually want to do. And um, I started realizing how much time I spent actually with this yeah, backwards look with this nonsense, right? So there were so many information that are just obsolete, that are not necessary. And um, after that, I really started, yeah, focusing on, 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 on the relationships that are important to me, calling really, again, starting calling friends yeah. and, and, and really trying to take an interest in their lives instead of giving them a like on, on Facebook or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. On the other hand, of course, it has some disadvantages. There are probably hundreds of people that, that I kind of, that became, that, that got, that, that I've gotten out of sight, kind of, that I don't know nothing about anymore. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't miss it because the relationships that I still have have gotten much more intense and also the work that we do with the startup has gotten, for me, much more focused and much more intense. Yeah. So the world without Facebook and Instagram is a good world? For me it is, yeah. All right. That's cool. Cool. Thanks so much for your time. Thank uh, you for having me. Very, very busy, uh, even though you do focused work, right? Um, yeah, all the best to your to your startup. We hope to see more news in the in the. Thank you very much, also for you. Best of luck. Uh, it was a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to this awesome episode. I really enjoyed that interview with Torben Antretta. If you want to check out a nice tool that I've discovered recently. And if you're in a phase of your startup where marketing and growth is an important topic, you should definitely go check out growthmentor.io. I checked out the website, it looks super nice. And basically what it does, it connects you to high level growth and marketing experts around the globe. So I had a Skype chat with the founder of growthmentor.io and he told me that he got the ex-head of growth at growthhackers.com to join as a mentor and for just 50 bucks per 30 minutes I think you can just talk to any expert around growth and marketing. What's also important to know is that we have no partnership with Growth Mentor. This is just something I discovered recently and that I really really like and think you can get a lot of value from. So looking forward to the next episode next week. Subscribe if you haven't so you don't miss it and see you then.